Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. We did what we supposed to do. They say, you know, Draymond's got a history. So do we. So we, we know how to bounce back. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, hour number two, John Dickinson and Evan Giddings sitting in for Whitey Gleason here on 95.7 The Game. We're with you until 1 o'clock, 888-957-9570, game four tomorrow at Chase Center, 1230 tip. So make sure you're in the area early and stop by and say hi, Harmonic Brewing, 11 o'clock. I'll be on the air with Warriors Live. We've got Warriors Live and Warriors Wrap-Up both tomorrow before and after the game from Harmonic Brewing in Thrive City. It is tremendous. Something light before the game, something perhaps a little heavier after the game. Maybe a little heavier after the game, and, and the beauty of the afternoon start is you truly can make a day of yeah. coming out and cheering on the Warriors and after the game, it's still going to be that mid to late afternoon time, so you can put one away and after I think the game. But it's supposed to be looking like like this today. It, you know, 65, 70 outside, clear skies. Maybe, maybe a couple clouds scattered down near Chase Center. Yeah, nothing nothing turns San Francisco up like <laughs> seventy plus. Oh, it's it's like it's like I always say NBA playoff basketball is like a different sport compared to regular season basketball. San Francisco is. It's like a it's a different city. That's a good take. It's a different city <laughs> when it's when it's seventy plus in a in a very 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 good way, Evan. Oh, absolutely! Look, t-shirts, shorts, and you know the sundresses come out, and everyone's down near the beach, and especially when there's a little bit there's some lack of wind this weekend as well. It is perfect conditions out here in San Francisco, just like Game Three presented some perfect conditions on the court for the Golden State Warriors. All right, let's get back to the phones. Uh, Stewart is the longest hold on the board in Oakland. What's going on, Stewart? What's going on, guys? What's happening? I got uh, two things for you this afternoon. Um, first of all, I wanted to address a little fan-to-fan debate that you guys were having, and um, I think it bears worth noting that you know the Warriors have been the most hated team in the league out here and on the road everyone standing up trying to beat the Warriors. And the Kings are the closest team looking in on the greatness that we've enjoyed here in the Bay Area, all the championships, the parades, and the rings. Um, And though we might have respect for them, knowing what they're going through right now in their playoff drought, they have never experienced what we've got. So I can't really be mad at them for hating a little bit, (laughs) for preying on our downfall. Yeah, that's Uh, fair. That's fair. Well, especially when the downfall coincides with them advancing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second of all, I want to address the, the Draymond hate a little bit. Um, and I think what people forget with uh, the Game 4 of, of last year's finals, um, with Curry's 40-point performance, 
they forget that Draymond also had a big comeback game then, too, because he really got handled in that loss at Chase and then especially in the first game back at Boston. But he really bounced back in those last two away games at Boston and had big performances. Look for Draymond to have a big game four tomorrow. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, I, I think Draymond's going to be back in a major way tomorrow. Like that's something that I'm fully confident in as I look at this thing from the from the Warriors' point of view. I, I personally think people have made way too big a deal of, hey, Draymond being out is why the Warriors did what what they did in Game Three. And look, it it played out that way. I mean, that's maybe it helped change the energy for that game but but it's not something where I, where I would think for a second oh hey that's the way the Warriors have to proceed moving forward without Draymond it changes the rotations and all of that but but I still view it more Evan like the Warriors survived game three without him others stepped up but it's no way to live for the remainder of the series you you need him back and in the fold and doing the things that he does well which help in some ways, make the Warriors unstoppable when they're cooking. Yeah, when Draymond Green's at his best, so are, so are the Warriors. I think the only implication of the suspension and maybe how the Warriors performed in his absence is something that you'll talk about in the offseason. Like that's, sure. a, that's a summer conversation. Yeah. But as it pertains to Game 3, everyone stepped up, including the head of the snake, Stephen Curry. I know Klay Thompson didn't have his best shooting game. Andrew Wiggins was the second best player on the floor outside of, you know, maybe you could say Kevon Looney, who was amazing in his 20-rebound effort. But Stephen Curry took the offensive brunt on his shoulders, dominated that game on the offensive side of the court. Looney dominated the glass. The Warriors took care of the basketball. They didn't give Sacramento any form of life in the form of extra possessions. And I think that Draymond Green, as we as we're talking about in the first hour, J.D., is going to see that blueprint and say... Where can I affect that in a positive fashion? We're talking about it during the commercial break, whether it be slowing down, whether it be not trying to get sped up by Sacramento. This is a Warriors team that plays at a high pace. They're in the top three in the league in terms of possessions per game. Sacramento, that benefits them in this series, in my opinion, because we saw them in the half-court struggle a little bit. The Warriors did certainly dare them to take shots, and, and they missed. But I think that Draymond Green and the reintegration process is going to be one that we'll look back on at the end of Game 4 and say, you know, sure, they won Game 3 and they ran away with it, but if they win in Game 4, you'll look at Draymond Green as a necessity to them going further than just this first-round series. He needed to take a playoff. Yeah. And, and and you can view it that way in hindsight because the Warriors won and it didn't ultimately cost them the series, him being out for Game 3. But now, to me, you can look at it as, hey, he got to take a playoff and just calm the hell down and be able to watch what needs to be done here moving forward as this series progresses. PG in Oakland next on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, PG? PG, you there? Playoff P. Playoff yeah, P. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, what's up, PG? Hey, now. Hey. hey, yeah, I wanted to touch on what you guys were talking about, like some of the, the differences between Sacramento and the Bay. You know, the Bay is five one zero four one five. We do some nine. We do some nine two five. Maybe even a little four zero eight. We're not doing nine one six. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, and, no, no five three zero either. No five three zero either. RMP the five one zero. No, we're not doing none of that. Listen, listen. I'm a I'm a season ticket holder. I went. Uh, I have a friend of mine I went to college with who's a Kings ticket holder. 
I go up there to see the Memphis game uh, several months back, and they literally had garbage night. It was like garbage. Uh, whoever collects their garbage up there was sponsoring the game, I guess. And they were giving out garbage bags, uh, like garbage bags, recycled garbage bags to all the fans. Look under your seat. We got garbage bags for you. If I'm lying, call me out on air. I put that on everything. That actually happened. They did line dancing during the uh, halftime show. I get down on that. And they're ringing the cowbells. Man, uh, uh, for those that don't know, there's a huge, huge, huge cultural divide between what happens up in Sacramento and what happens here in the Bay. Do not get it twisted. Man, that's Trump country, man. We're not hearing that. Pre- All right, appreciate it, P- PG. Yes. It, it's, it's really not at the level that people think. I actually think it's turned in the opposite direction it's, more recently yeah. than it, it, it. And here's the thing. I'll just, I'll, I'll level it out this way. Mm-hmm. It's, it is, it's more Bay Area light than people think. And look, as far as like, and I don't know, I wasn't, at, I didn't happen to, to be at that game that, that PG was referencing with the guard, but the garbage team, bag teams game. have stupid partnership things all the time. Like, it sounds like it was a partnership deal. Like, Hey, you know, waste management bought some, Bought some time, so we got to give them a bunch of run during a game, which is which is pretty silly and you know something that can be thrown back at you. Craig, you got a little action on that? Well, just not only that, but the line dance. I remember Sky Point Saddlerack in Fremont used to be the spot. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> you, I, can hear, you can hear uh, Tupac go right into Garth Brooks. I can confirm. <laughs> I can confirm that via via <laughs> some ladies. Yeah. I never experienced oh, it firsthand. Was the spot, bro. but I I can yes. confirm that multiple. Female sources confirm that, and I don't even have to check with them. Yeah, I'm not going to be. I'm not going not to sit here and besmirch line dancing. That is a, a ton of fun. But I, I mean, Sacramento fans could also make the same case the other side that the Warriors now in San Francisco are maybe a little more bougie than they used to be. For sure. And and look, Sa- Sacramento is more Bay Area light than people think. But there is a, there is it there is a little hint of Reno in there at times. No doubt. There, it's that's probably the best way to explain it. And look, for those who don't know, I'm from Sacramento. Uh, for those who don't know, or like originally grew up there, went to college there. Behind enemy lines. Like it's not, it's not, it's not the extreme that PG tried to point. No, like, but but I do think that is that call is a little indicative without of, getting political. No, sure, but but as far as sports are concerned. I think that is indicative of kind of a, a divide between the fan bases, whereas you were talking about before this series, they were more a little aligned. Like, you want to beat the other team. You want your team to advance. Sacks had a great season. The Warriors trying to defend their championship. But now, after the way the first two games have played out with E-40 getting run and Draymond Green inciting the crowd and then the Warriors coming back and defending home court, it does feel like there is more animosity between the fan bases as sports are concerned. Edward in San Carlos next here. 888-957-9570. What's going on, Edward? Scissor hands. Edward, you there, brother? Edward going once. Night, night. All right. Bye-bye, Edward. Robin in San Francisco. I should have just gone to Robin first anyway. What's up, Robin? Hi, you guys. How you doing? You know, I, I, I call for one thing, and then I hear all these discussions. I just want to say real quick, quickly that I have nothing against Sacramento. Uh, it's just geographically not part of the Bay. That's all. For sure. You know? And so that's what I take. That's basically what I take pride in. And I've said it on my Facebook page, you know, to all the outsiders. And I'm not talking about, uh, I'm talking about across country, you know, um, 
for those who are geographically challenged, Sacramento is not part of the Bay Area. They were calling it the Bay Area Showdown. I was like, where are these people from? <laughs> Just like I don't, I, I don't like the pictures of the Warriors that you see, and it has the Golden Gate Bridge behind it. And I often wonder why, because they didn't cross the Golden Gate Bridge. They crossed the Bay Bridge. But maybe it's because Golden Gate Bridge is synonymous with San Francisco. I don't know, but that also irks me, as well as, well as San Fran and all the rest of the stuff <laughs> the sports people do, which leads me to why I called in, J.D. You had said something that I swear it had stuck in my head, J.D., I cannot watch the games without saying to myself, you don't know anything about Sacramento. You ain't been watching Sacramento. And that's what you had said about, oh, you're going to get a lot of people who claim they know this and this about Sacramento, but they have not watched any games of Sacramento. Charles Barkley comes to mind when he said the other day, he has the Kings because of their speed and they play Steph, Looney, and even Wiggins. They're just, they can't keep up. They don't have the speed. They're too old. And I'm thinking to myself, so I wonder how many games has Charles Barkley actually won based off the Kings, uh, w watching the Kings to make that type of statement. And I just, that's all I have for you this morning. I just, thanks to you, I, I can watch the game with my nose turned up and say, <laughs> you don't know anything about the Kings. Bye. <laughs> appreciate it, Robin. Appreciate it, Robin. I, in in some ways, wrong. I've used that to give them credit yeah. in, in this series, but but I think it does play both ways. I thought the Kings they just they didn't play well. They didn't shoot well. The Warriors were the more forceful team. I, I there is a thought that as this thing goes on, because we've seen this happen so many different times, where as the Warriors have gotten older, the thought is, well, younger teams are going to be able to wear them down. And I think eventually it would happen. I wonder if the Kings, even though they are the younger team, can keep playing with the Warriors if the Warriors play more buttoned up. Like, how often have we thought, hey, boy, it doesn't look good. But by by game six, game seven, all of a sudden the Warriors seem to get stronger as some of these series where they're challenged go on, and the opposition looks like they can't quite match it. And you see it in field goal percentage a lot mm -hmm. of the time. You see it in more defensive lapses as the Warriors figure some things out offensively. It's just Again, maybe this is the one when it's all said and done where it where it flips, but the Warriors have been able to, I think, get stronger and figure things out in some of these series, which we don't know that they have because it's one game that they've won. Tomorrow tells a little bit more of that story, and and the games beyond that if if they come to fruition. But that was something I bookmarked in that. Hey, the Warriors looked a little faster. Mm -hmm. The Kings looked a little. They looked a little tired. I thought in some of the shooting or and and I'll even say this I thought they looked a little nervous in all three games at the beginning in terms of their their shooting which like at what point does that like is that going to go away at any point where you come out tight in every game like I get it in the first game I get it even in the first road game but if they, if they don't figure that out, that's another area where I think the Warriors can pounce as this thing goes deeper. Well, and they pounced in Game 3. They didn't pounce in Game 2 because they turned the ball over nine or times in the one, opening quarter. Or yeah. it was tied at the end of the first quarter, even though the Kings were terrible shooting. Exactly. And and I think the, the unfamiliarity is, you know, to Robin's point, it is something that I think a lot of people are dealing with. I, I know that you watch a ton of Kings basketball, J.D., but you know, I was talking to someone at the game on, on uh, Thursday, and, and they told me the Kings were on national television twice 
If you include NBA TV games, they're on TV five times this season. So there's there wasn't a lot of opportunities for anyone to really see these Kings. And so I think there was some shock factor from the fan base as far as how they played, how buttoned up they look compared to Golden State. Meanwhile, if you know, if you're looking at game four, like I, I do think you can make the case that the Kings shooting should regress to the mean. You could also make the argument the Warriors shooting should regress to the mean. Outside of Stephen Curry, nobody's really shot the ball that well from three. They're shooting 32% as a team. Andrew Wiggins hasn't been able to find the range from distance, even though I think physically he has looked about just as good as I could hope for coming off a 25-game absence. Uh, DiVincenzo, up until the last game, hadn't shot the ball well. Moses Moody, plug-and-play, has you know still missed a few open threes. They haven't got it going from deep, even though they're a team that in a lot of ways this year has relied on the three ball. And so the fact that they were able to win game three without you know, a barrage of, of deep three-point shots, I, I thought was something to keep an eye on. And as far as game four, you know, a few things that I'll be looking for is how, maybe how tired the Kings look down the stretch. And if those legs get a little bit heavier, because you're talking about getting deeper into this series, and we've seen the Warriors just be able to figure things out when they've needed to in the past. They haven't done it as much this year, but they have done it at home. And, that's, in in a way, why I feel like this series is destined to go back to Sacramento tied at two. Because if you just look at both of these teams and their body of work, the Kings have gotten it done at crunch time. There was crunch time in the first two games of the series. The Warriors have gotten it done at home. They did it in game three with Draymond back in game four. I expect them to figure it out. And then it's a best of three. You can never assume a win. I get that. But with the way that the Warriors looked and the way that the Kings tightened up a bit at Chase Center, uh, th- this is going to be... Look, I think there's a reason why the Warriors are 7.5-point favorites tomorrow. One of my keys to this series off of the first two games was make Sacramento feel like they're actually losing something. Make, make, make them feel as if there is something slipping away from them. And I think if it goes back to Sac 2-2... Two to two, all of the pressure is on the Kings. Like they, at that point, I think somewhat lose the right to have their cake and eat it too, where they're the underdog team, but they also have home court advantage. And they were the team that had the bet. Like they're kind of living in both worlds, right? Oh, we're the underdogs. Nobody's giving us a chance, but we're at home and we're the more forceful team and jump out to the two nothing lead. Like you, you go from two, 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 to two, two. And, and that building to me is going to be a little tight in Game 5, especially if the Warriors are able to come out and play a buttoned-up game. Still might be close, still might come down to who can execute down the stretch, but I think for the first time in the series, and we got a long way to go because the Warriors have to win tomorrow to make that come to fruition, but if they do, for the first time in the series, I think the Kings have to start, or just start thinking like, oh, like oh, this, is a, this is a real series, we had them, now we don't, and there might be a little bit of doubt that starts to seep in as to whether or not they can actually pull this thing off from their standpoint. Coming into this series, the Warriors were 2-1 to one favorites to win. After the second game, I think that's when the Kings started to really understand they are the three seed. Like, they are the team that well, started, was better the entire I, year. I think they started talking a little bit more like that, too. Like, that's one thing I've noticed. And, look, De'Aaron Fox has been terrific 
And I think he, you could say, best player in the series to this point. He's got two games. Curry's got yep. got the third game in, in his belt uh, on that note. But I, I noticed Stephen in Game 3, he was, he was talking a little more, whether it was to Jordan Poole or whether it was to the officials. I know he had a little comment about not being a unanimous clutch player of the year. It's like, who cares? Like, that was, I mean, you, he deserved to win the sure. win the deal. But I, did. Yeah. I think they got gassed up a little bit. I know I mentioned that to, to Steiny and Guru I think they got gassed up for three days about you're in the champs' heads. You're doing. I, I think it, it's the it's the thing that always does happen. It's the revisionist history of you win a couple of games and then you go back and you start plucking out all these little things, these little narratives that you can start to shape as major positives. When the reality is, hey, neither team really played all that well for good chunks of both of those first two games, but the Kings were able to do the do the job down the stretch, and that's why they had the lead. I think if we're reading into this... There was no dominance, is what I'm getting at, but I think when you, oh, it's 2-0, and, and Draymond's out, and I think it almost gets in their little bubble, Start it starts to be viewed as dominance. The Kings came into the series with more bulletin board material. They don't have as much of that now as they did after winning the first two games. There is less reason, I think, for them to be as less, you know, interested, less, uh, you know, people believe more or believe less in the Kings entering this series than the Warriors. And I think they felt that. I think they channeled that. And it got them two victories. And I think now, because they are, or at least were, you know, they held home court, they don't have as much of that juice behind them as the Warriors now do. And what? And on the flip side, what if the Warriors kind of needed all season in big spots when they've been pressed up against the wall? They've needed something to kind of energize them. It's something to to draw upon that can motivate them in certain spots. And, and whether you know you don't want to be down two zero, but in a way, I do think that the Warriors have. They didn't have as much of that coming into this series. There was less urgency from Golden State. And now, after going down 2-0, that manifested itself in Game 3. And it's a reason why I expect it to manifest itself in Game 4. Big Dave in San Leandro. What's going on, Big Dave? Hi, guys. Um, Yeah, for sure. You know, I definitely like seeing the intensity and focus um, from Game 3. I think going into the first two games, we definitely lacked it. What was annoying is just constantly hearing about, oh, we know how it feels to be the Kings fans. They haven't made the playoffs this many years. Oh, yeah, whatever. It's a nice story. They're a great team. I feel like that intensity wasn't there. And for me personally, longtime Warrior fan, I, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't care if they made the playoffs. The Kings fans, we hate the Kings. Going back to when Mitch Richmond was on that team, killed us every time. And I went to school up in uh, the Sock area. And um, in college, and um, that was during the whole, you know, Weber days, and those fans would talk smack all the time, all the time, when they were good. So, no, we're not, we're not friends with the Kings. I get it different now. I know there's a lot of warrior connections and whatnot, but going into the series, I thought we were just a little too soft in terms of just giving them their kudos and all that. That's out the door. So I, I think that the intensity and focus from Game 3 is going to be sustainable after everything that's gone down so far. I expect the Warriors to definitely win in six. Um, but I will say this, too. Since I'm very familiar with that area, back 20 years ago, yeah, it was definitely more country-like. But since then, there's tons of area transplants. Yes. It's a lot different. Um, got a lot of family from my wife's side. We actually moved up there in the last five years. So it's changing. But I like your analogy. Yeah, a little bit Bay Area with a little bit of Reno. That's a good way to, good way to say it. But, uh, appreciate, appreciate it, Dave. Uh, yeah, I think 
I think the Warriors. I, I don't know that they were. I don't know that the Warriors themselves were too locked in on what the the opponent's story was. I think. I think maybe the fans gave them a little benefit of the doubt. It's it's done now. Regardless, it's all that's all freaking done now. Mm-hmm. It's on. Oh yeah, no. Look, this is. <laughs> we are expecting the Warriors to come out and win Game Four tomorrow. They are as well. But it does feel like, to your point, J.D., earlier about if the Warriors win tomorrow, I think the ball's back in their court, even though two games are on the road left in Sacramento. But if Sacramento wins tomorrow, don't you kind of feel like the Warriors can still win the series? We'll get into that coming up next. Okay. 888-957-9570. We'll get Joe in San Francisco. We'll get to the text line as well. We'll go rapid fire there. Adjustments. For game four off of the first three games of this series. And we'll reset uh, everything with Draymond Green as well as Warriors this week rolls on. It's J.D. and Evan Giddings on 95.7 The Game. Yes, so uh, Draymond came in and gave a pretty in- inspirational talk. Just letting everybody know that we you know, we got to step up. We got to uh, take, take on our role and his role. And then the GP thing was was, uh, was so last minute, too. Uh, but that's what I always say. That's, that's the playoffs. That's what it's all about. And that's why it's so crazy to actually win a championship because it's not always about who's the best team. It's who's the healthiest team, who's the luckiest team to a certain extent. It's, there's so many factors that go into it. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, we are halfway through here. John Dickinson and Evan Giddings. That was Moses Moody from yesterday with Willard and Dibbs as he joined them during the afternoon show and saying Draymond Green gave the team a pep talk leading up to Game 3, talking about taking on his role and the role of others. And whatever it was, it I mean, factor it right in there. Is, I mean, everything worked when you go out and you win – 114 to 97 and play your best game of the series, right, E? Yeah, everything was clicking. And I think the Draymond aspect of this is a little interesting because the one question we had about Draymond at the beginning of the season was how much would his voice carry after what he did to Jordan Poole before the year? And I think he's been able to regain some of that voice in the locker room throughout the season, of course, with his play, playing over 70 games this year. And obviously being the the four-time champion and leader that he is. And so when I hear Moses Moody talking about Draymond getting them fired up before the game one, it doesn't surprise me that Draymond is going to try and impact this game any way he can, even if he physically cannot be there. But secondly, maybe there is a little something to his voice mattering more at the beginning of at the beginning of this playoffs than it was at the beginning of this season, and how much more he is been able to recapture some of that old Draymond to the point where he's, you know, the general on the court, the general in the locker room. And we know how volatile he is, but there's one thing that's been consistent about him throughout his time in Golden State, and that is his vocality has been instrumental in each of their playoff runs. And so, look, if they lose this series, we'll look back at that pregame speech as meaningless. But if they go on to win and they continue to move forward and do their best to defend their crown, maybe we do look at that as a point and say, you know, Moses Moody talking about Draymond Green getting them fired up and the young guys ready for this situation. Maybe that is something that he still has left in the tank. Yeah, so Moses Moody joined Willard and Dibbs and gave a little more detail on that. We'll, we'll hear their follow-up to what Draymond had to say via Moses Moody here coming up on 95.7 The Game. Let's get to Joe in San Francisco, though. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back to the phones. 888-957-9570. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Uh, happy Saturday. I feel real good about this game. Craig's doing the post game. He's on a roll. If he uh, goes to six and zero, we're going to have to start, you know, staying, keeping his distance. Like you know, when pitchers are throwing the no hitter, they keep, you know, distance in the dugout. He's our uh, good luck charm here. But when it comes to this game, um, I still think this series is the Warriors to lose because they still have better defensive players and a higher level of defensive capability they can play than the Kings. The key is can they play buttoned up and get to that level. And I think Mike Brown knows that, and he's trying to play as frenetic and crazy as possible to get the Warriors out of sync and rushed and panicked and get a dream on emotional. And I've been watching uh, playoff basketball for, unfortunately, for decades, and it always slows down. This is like the only series I've seen in years that it's actually faster, it seems like, than in, in the regular season. And I think that's what they're trying, Mike Brown's trying to do is keep the Warriors from getting into a buttoned-up state. If they can do that, I'm, I'm still confident they can do, uh, win. But will they is a different thing. What do you guys think? Yeah, in and, and Game 3, they were able to do it. It was the old play slower and look faster thing and and that relates to the the John Wooden quote which you referenced earlier that Steve Kerr had brought into the equation I think it's an interesting question for Warrior fans here as we hit the halfway mark at 888-957-9570 I'm just going to steal it from Joe is this series the Warrior series to lose do you feel that way about it I, I agree with the whole buttoned up component to it I think if if the Warriors play a certain way the Kings in some ways can't can't match them, but the Warriors have not done it consistently enough through the first three games. They've allowed the game to get to a point where the Kings thrive in two of those three games, 
and the Kings were able to win in similar fashion to the way they won regular season games because of it. Yeah, because the Kings have had more cohesion this year, their players have been together. They do look a little more, I think, at the beginning of the series, button-up than Golden State, who was reintroducing Andrew Wiggins for the first time in two and a half months. Now they're reintroducing Draymond Green after getting suspended. There's a lot more moving parts on Golden State's side. But in a way, I, I do think that has helped them a bit because there is there is more of a question surrounding how the Warriors are going to play than Sacramento. There's more tape. There's more data. There's more familiarity with how Sacramento has been this entire season than Golden State, who has had so many ups and downs, so many different rotation changes, GP2 coming back into the fold, Andrew Wiggins being out now, being back, Curry's injuries. There's been so much more that's happened on Golden State's side that it does feel like they are trying, and I think in Game 3 they did piece things together in a positive fashion, and now it's a question of, can you continue that, which they have struggled a bit this year to do. They've done it at home. If you are the Kings, though, and Joe's question, is it the Warriors series to lose? And we talked about this before the break, J.D. I contend that if the Warriors win game four, it is their series to lose, even though they have two of the last three games on the road. Meanwhile, if they lose game four at home, and Sacramento's been the best road team in the West the entire season— then, to me, it would be the Kings series to lose. I, I think I'd, I'm with you on that. And the Warriors could still win the series if they don't win tomorrow. The concern, though, would be how does it look with them not winning tomorrow? And obviously, we don't know how that would shake out. And I'd, I'd never rule the Warriors out with this core as their ability to to do the unthinkable. This would be a new one. They have done the 3-1 thing before. They've never done the 3-1 thing with two of the three on the road. It's It's been you know, OKC True. where you you win your home game, you stabilize, you go steal one, game six clay, and then you're coming back and you play game seven on your home floor. So it, it would be a little bit different at that point. I wouldn't rule it out, but I think the biggest reason why you'd be dejected if you're a Warrior fan would be, well, what happened in game four that was more like maybe game one and two and then it looks like you have fewer answers that you thought you were starting to find in the Game 3 win. So you know, that without knowing how Game 4 plays out, I wouldn't rule it out, but it would be demoralizing if it is the kind of game where the Kings are able to do the things that they did well in the first couple of games, plus maybe make some more shots, and the Warriors still don't make shots at a, at a consistent level. That like The one thing I fear for the Warriors in this series moving forward is that hot Kings shooting game from three. The one thing I'm starting to gain more confidence in in the Warriors is their ability to understand, and I think game three puts it right there in front of them to refer back to, but understanding the fact that if you do play buttoned up the way Joe said, you you can control the game against them and make their inexperience work against them as well. Yeah, games one and two, they didn't control the pace. Game three, they did, and they slowed things down. I, I thought Curry, along with even you know some of the primary ball handlers, Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo, did a really good job at, at not forcing things. And Kavon Looney probably is the greatest example of that. You mentioned him during our, our last commercial break, how you know he... Kind of just like a, a patient running back, like a Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, kind of waiting for a hole to open and then hitting it at the right time. Kevon Looney is, 
He doesn't have the biggest vertical. He's not going to get up and down the court with Usain Bolt's speed. But he understands where his spots are and where he needs to pick to attack. And I think that was how the Warriors played as a whole. And he he embodied that primarily on the offensive glass, but also with his passing. Understanding where the open spaces were, finding the right players at the right times. And then defensively, they turned the Kings into a jump-shooting team and they couldn't make jump shots. The one question that the Warriors have yet to answer is in a close game, can they win that game? Because they didn't do it in games one and two, and they didn't get to that point in game three where they had to fend off Sacramento in a a five-point, last five minutes type of crunch time situation. If And I do think they'll have that opportunity in game four to to potentially prove us and Kings uh, fans wrong. But if the Kings start hitting shots, that's going to create another potential tie game, five-minute type situation, the Warriors have won those games at home, mm-hmm. and they need to prove that again in game four if the if the situation presents itself. John Dickinson and Evan Giddings, Warriors this week, 888-957-9570, Comcast Business Text Line open, as well as the phone lines, as we are getting you closer to game four of the Western Conference first-round playoff series, 1230 tomorrow so make sure you get to chase early and are ready to roll you can stop by harmonic brewing and say hi to me as i will be there doing warriors live at 11 o'clock have a brew with jd between 11 and 12 before heading in and being ready to roll here on 95 7 the game is this series the warriors series to lose what do you think the warriors do with draymond green in game four let's go ahead and hear Another clip from Moses Moody from yesterday. We played the clip coming back from the break. Moses Moody said Draymond Green addressed the team in the lead-up to Game 3. Willard and Dibbs followed up with, hey, what did Draymond say? Yeah, it was really that. You know, he called out guys by name saying, you know, we're going we gonna to need you to step up this game. We're going to need more from you than we usually get. We know everybody, when he when he gets personal like that in those conversations and uh, the way that he took over the conversation and addressed an elephant in the room that he got suspended and he won't be playing and all, and it's, it's still a must-win game and, it, and nobody cares why we lost if we lost. It's all about winning. So um, that was the main gist of it, just winning a must-win game. You want to you wanna give me who he called out by name? I actually think if based on Draymond Green's past, I think he went down the line. Like he literally is like Steph. Steph, I need this you gotta or... dominate. <laughs> Steph, you gotta be a superstar. Clay, you gotta be more patient. And if you're not hitting shots, you can't be taking a million shots. Basically, I need Andrew. Game these four guys Steph. can't guard you. Andrew, these guys can't guard you. They can't hold you down. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You could you could finish it up. Oh no, I was just gonna go down the list of the young guys. Dante Divincenzo, take a shot. You know, Moses Moody, when you get in the game, knock down that corner three, attack the rim. JK, I don't want to see you going one-on-one. I want to see you attacking, getting downhill, cutting, defending guys, keeping people in front. Kevon Looney, I think he actually said this on his podcast the other day, give me 20 rebounds. Give me a Dennis Rodman type effort. You know, everyone else. Steve Kerr, I need you to be on point with your rotation. Like, I, I literally think he just was like in front of everyone in the middle of a huddle or on the bench, got up like, you know, potentially a coach would at, you know, in peewee basketball and was like, you, 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 and you all need to do A, B, C, D, and that's how we're going to win this game. And, and I, I bet whenever we hear from Draymond Green next, we might get a hint as to what he said to each of those players. But I also think if, if there's one thing Draymond Green is good at, it is pressing buttons. And whether you want to give him credit for the Warriors' You know, playing buttoned up basketball in game three without him or not, 
I do think he was able in that pregame speech that Moses Moody alluded to to light a little bit of a fire to the point where then the game, the crowd, and the situation was the kerosene that helped them get the win. Yeah, everything matched. Every, everything matched. Everything meshed, and the Warriors were able to to get that win to make it a two one series in favor of Sacramento heading toward Game Four coming up tomorrow. Of course, we'll have that for you right here on ninety five seven. The game uh, is this series now the Warriors series to lose what do you you think of some of the adjustments and playoff series are always series of adjustments and the Warriors were forced as we talked about in the first hour to play more of a kitchen sink game they played a cleaner game with the turnovers they got to the free throw line more they stayed patient they defended at an extremely high level. They got into their offense and ran it calmly. The role players played better at home. The Kings role players stunk uh, on the road. We we read the line of of Monk, Lyles, and, and Mitchell. And everybody that basically played for the Warriors did something, even guys that weren't playing at all through the first couple of games. And they probably needed to. You know, there was a lot more minutes to go around with Draymond Green's absence. And so we knew we were going to see... Jamichael Green. We're probably going to see Anthony Lamb. And I think that the adjustment that, whether you want to say that the Warriors or Steve Kerr made as it pertains to the the two biggest matchups in this series, which was previously Draymond and Sabonis and then Curry and Fox, is where I saw the biggest difference. Steph Curry left around the six-minute mark of the first quarter. At the time, De'Aaron Fox was also taken out. I think Steve Kerr wanted to match Curry's minutes with Fox's. And in the first half, we also saw him match Kevon Looney's minutes with DeMontis Sabonis. Looney did a great job of defending without fouling, which played itself out in the second half, being able to be aggressive on the boards, also be able to get into the chest of Sabonis, and maybe make him feel that presence a lot more, which probably led to a bad game for Sabonis. He's had you know, perhaps maybe one good one, game two, 24-9 you can give him. But games one and three, he's looked a little neutralized, and... He's turned the ball over more than he's dished out assists, which is completely foreign for a guy like Sabonis based on his season. I think the adjustments that Kerr made matching minutes in the two biggest matchups is where I saw kind of the the, the game two to game three adjustment be made. Yeah, and I want to come back to the the minutes change with Curry and and matching Fox, which I think was significant. And we, we haven't really talked a lot about Sabonis because he's somebody that I'm starting to wonder about from Sacramento's side of things if the Warriors may have a little something on him mm-hmm. and maybe some of the antics and the things that he was getting away with in the first two games now that we are to the point where it's game four and it's two to one and Draymond's back and the spotlight that was on Sabonis in game three looked a little funny in the light I thought Sabonis did so more on that coming up here on 95.7 The Game, but let's keep it rolling on the phones with Austin in San Jose. What's going on, Austin? What's going on, fellas? What's going on, J.D., man? Listen, uh, yeah, the great Domas, man. We're going to see uh, how he's turned out. I mean, he's a great player. No yes, doubt, he is. But I think the lights are – the pressure is going to get on him, J.D. Listen, people talk about winning two, but you got to win four. And, you know, that closeout for a team like Sacramento that hasn't done it before, I mean, you've heard – some of the vets talk about how hard it is to close somebody out. Can you imagine they're going to have to close out the Warriors if they go to Game 7, a team that's won four championships with the same core? I mean, that's going to be – you talk about pressure, that's going to be epic. I would, I'll would, i be loving to see that. And then Draymond, you spoke about the great Draymond Green. That's my guy. 
whether he gets suspended or not, he's still my guy. The Warriors are not the dog team they are without him. Uh, I can imagine him giving that speech and just getting in everybody's face saying, this is your time to shine. You know, this is your opportunity, Moody and all you guys have been complaining about not playing, not getting minutes. Here's your time to show, you know, what you got. So I think the fast, last thing I got, guys, is I think the series is going to turn on somebody like Moody, somebody like Kaminga, somebody that's kind of unheralded to come through with a really big game. And I think that's going to, I think that's going to be a difference in the in the series. Time for our young guys to really show that very our young guys can compete with the other players' young guys, and that's going to have to be the case as the, if the Warriors are going to advance in this. Uh, in this playoff. So that's what I got, guys. Thanks for a few minutes. Appreciate it. I, I mean, Moses Moody, I think, is already doing it. Yeah. At the end of Game 2 and all of Game 3. I mean, the way he played at the end of Game 2, it was obvious that he was going to get minutes in Game 3. That was even before the Draymond suspension and the and the GP2 illness. And he stepped right in and looked real comfortable and knocked down his threes, which... I've always said if he can knock down his threes, then he's playable even if he isn't doing other things well. But he's done everything pretty well, and he's looked like a another one of these steadying-type players that you need to beat Sacramento. The erratic-type players don't work, and the erratic style of play doesn't work against the Kings. Steady, calm players work against the Kings, and I think that's why Moses Moody has worked once Steve Kerr threw him in there, and Steve Kerr threw him in there basically because he was done with Kaminga. I mean, it was it was a, I'm, I can't, I, this guy can't play anymore, so I'm going to that guy, and Moses Moody took advantage of the opportunity and now looks like somebody that's going to be playing for the foreseeable future in this series. Yeah, and I think what Austin is alluding to when he talks about the young guys is how do you, like you said, J.D., steady those, whether it be, you know, kind of, Situations where the Kings are, are going on, on a mini run or the most glaring ones when Steph is not on the court. And Moses Moody has proved to be a more plug-and-play player, especially of the younger guys, than perhaps even a guy like Jordan Poole at this point. I know he had a better Game 3, but on the road, especially in Game 2, he looked particularly lost and unplayable. Moses Moody has been, and this is why I think a lot of fans were perhaps frustrated with the regular season and maybe his usage is because of games like game three where you throw him in and he looks ready for the moment. Don't do it. E keep finish your thought, but don't do it. Don't do what? Don't do it. Don't do the, don't do the JT JD pet peeve of because he played well in the playoffs. That means he should have been playing all year thing. Oh no, 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 no. I, I didn't think you were, but I just, well, but, but I think that's why fans are, are confused because he looks good in the postseason. And he was more playable than Kaminga last postseason, too, to, to some extent, and didn't get as much run in the regular season. But the difference, and, and this is why I, I'm not going to go completely there, J.D., is because a lot of times in the regular season, one, there's guys in front of him. Two, he wasn't knocking down those shots that he did in games two and three immediately off the bench. And if you're not making those open shots, if you're not making those corner threes, if you're not crashing, if you're not keeping guys in front, and you don't do that as a young player in the first four to five minutes, Steve Kerr's going to go to somebody else. I think that in this postseason, Moses Moody wasn't first in line. Kaminga got first dibs at the table mm -hmm. in game one, but he proved that in those short spans, that he wasn't able to play the way Kerr needed to. Next man up, Moses Moody. He steps in. He performs well. He earns minutes and has earned minutes in this postseason because he's been ready. He has clearly taken you know whatever 
lack of opportunity in the regular season that he's gotten, pushed it to the side, been a big boy about it, even though he's 20 years old, and now is ready for his spot in the postseason to the point where you can make the argument Moses Moody's outperformed Keegan Murray, who's played the entire season for the Sacramento Kings. 888-957-9570. James and Napa next here on Warriors this week at 95.7 The Game. Hey, James. Hey, good good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I think that Moody and Kaminga and Poole need to play more. I think the pool needs to start. I mean, you can't go away from the success that the team has had. And with Kaminga and Moody, if they, they need minutes, so the question is, who do you take the minutes from? Who are they going to play for? And I think that it's got to be for Draymond. They, they've got to... Draymond has become a liability. Uh, I'd like to see him on the bench more. I'd like to see Poole start. What do you think? Appreciate the call. It wouldn't surprise me, and there was a lot. There was a lot to get to there. Moody and it's not Moody and Kaminga. It's it's Moody, like Kaminga's. It, it Kaminga's in his own category. Like I, I think as Draymond goes back in and as Peyton comes back in, I think Kaminga probably goes into the he's not going to play box of, of and. Maybe if the Warriors are ahead, he can give him a little... F- he's kind of a front-runner player, too. I think he's a nice guy to throw in when you're ahead in a game and the vibes are good and the team's already playing well. Crowd gets into it at home when Kaminga does anything. But I think he's probably... If you're looking for who's not going to play because you know Moody is and now you've got Draymond and Peyton, I think Kaminga probably goes, at least in the initial plan for tomorrow, in the not-going-to-play category. As far as Moody's definitely going to play. I think as much as he's played, if if not more, and look, we're probably talking 15 minutes. But the question becomes: E does Pool start? If Pool starts, does that mean Draymond or Looney come off the bench? And I'm sorry, I, if it comes down to that, I can't not start Looney in this situation because he's done the job that he has against Sabonis and been such a steadying influence. I could see Draymond Green watching the game Thursday night and going in and saying to Steve, hey, if you want to bring me off the bench, bring me off the bench. I'll be the backup center. Like, I really could see that. If if, But I don't think the start of the game has really been an issue for the Warriors, so you could play them both and then still shift Poole in for one of the other ones. It's, it's, more, about, it's more about combinations. You get Poole in for one of the centers, split them up that way, and figure out what your game plan is from there. I know that's a lot to chew on. We'll, we'll no, no, no. I was, was just going to say before we get to the break, and on the other side, I think we can also get into what that closing lineup is going to look like. Also because important. That is is really where games one and two were won and lost for the Kings and the Warriors, and that might be perhaps where the bigger decision comes in. And, and Jordan Poole is, I think, going to have to play more. DiVincenzo handling the ball more. You know, that was another subtle little difference for the Warriors. There was more Curry off the ball. Poole's going to bring it up. DiVincenzo is going to bring it up and initiate the offense, and that really helped the Warriors in Game 3. All right, two hours flying by here, 888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson and Evan Giddings. We're with you until 1 o'clock right here on 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.